welcome to Graphic Policy Radio. This is your host, Ilana Levin, aka Twitter's Ilana Brooklyn, and we are a comics podcast, but today I want to welcome everyone back to Beach City. We're here to talk about Steven Universe the movie. Should you watch it? Of course. Is it a good introduction to the series for folks who hadn't tuned in before? Well, we'll discuss that in a moment, and then we're going to go into the deep spoilers and an talk about our interpretations of this really rich series uh most recent is still all which is this movie the steven universe the movie that came out just a couple weeks back um and this is the big two-hour movie uh that was aired on cartoon network like a tv show um that was sort of functioned as the finale of the show um even though it sounds like there might be additional Steven Universe coming in the future, but it had this sort of finale feeling to it. Uh, and this is a show that has changed television for the better. It really is a show that made television more more inclusive. Uh, it really foregrounded the voices of non-binary folks, and it really foregrounded stories about conflict resolution and healing. And it was all soundtracked to some of the best original music on television, period. And joining me tonight, I have two new guests who are really, really perfect for this conversation. I'm joined by Ari Dynox. Uh, Ari is a Black femme storyteller and social activist with a variety of forward-thinking creative works under her slash their belt, including the documentary Flawless Feminism, the sci-fi operetta Project Tiresias. 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 Uh, I felt like I had my Greek stuff down, and I did not. Um, And... And the dark comedy Joy is Dead, as well as others. Ari creates out of the vehement belief that creating a future in which marginalized people are free requires a radical imagination. Ari is a graduate of the Graduate Musical Theater Writing Program at Tisch School of Performing Arts at NYU and the beneficiary of the Musical Theater Factory Fellowship, uh, where she's working on an Afrofuturist musical named Metropolis. Hello. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Yay! And uh, I am also joined by Claudia Aminabar. Uh Claudia is a social media producer, pop culture critic, and occasional audio fiction voice actor. You may know her from her embarrassing Tumblr URL from high school, Elphibia for President of Gallifrey. Or because she tweets too much about either Star Wars or Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure, she's on Twitter at Claudia Says. You may have seen her on a BuzzFeed listicle a couple of times. Um, I just think randomly, I'm like, yeah, Claudia, famous on the internet. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> this is this is a team up that just feels like it was meant to happen. Um, and I believe our, our powers, we shall now fuse into a gem that is ready to oh, present. Yeah, fusion name. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's hard. Need more research. I, need more research. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so I think that the you know I, I figure folks listening to this are predominantly fans of the show, but I, I know that there's a lot of people who maybe started the show and didn't keep up, and certainly folks who've been trying to get their friends and family into the show. Um, I'd been telling my mom she needed to watch it, and my mom only now is like, maybe I should start watching it with the movie. What do you guys think about this movie as an entry point for new viewers of the series? No, don't no. do it. No, I think I, like I so vehemently believe this that when earlier when you were like teasing it, I think I mumbled no, like involuntarily. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I, no. I will say I think they like 
I think they made it so that, like, if kids picking it up on Cartoon Network watched it, like, there are so many things in the songs and in the plot that, like, rehash things to, to you know, almost to water it down for kids so yeah. that they oh. could watch it. And I think a yeah. lot of, I'm sure there's a long history in animation of doing that in, like, movie events and stuff like yeah. that. It, and, and you know, it, it's, it, or in a TV special. I think what? if you just wanted to watch something Steven Universe and like like one thing, like this the the movie will make a sort of sense without all of the context of the seasons. But, but it if will you ruin, wanted to it will ruin the show. Everything <laughs> else. Like if yeah. you wanna watch Steven Universe though, don't start <laughs> with this movie in with the movie. Like there's a real beauty in how they crafted it Mm -hmm. chronologically and the things that they have revealed to us and when they reveal when they have revealed to us and I feel like that with every episode post season three really like and somewhat retroactively season one and season two but definitely Mm -hmm. season three on I feel like yeah these kind of stand alone and you'll be vaguely confused about some stuff but not enough where you won't enjoy the episode however you'll be missing out on one of the great beauties of the show, which is that it's the world building, which is cumulative. And it's just like robbing yourself of that cumulative effect. You know, the one thing I will say is that while I don't think this is the place to start, I do think it's a useful refresher. So if somebody maybe hasn't paid attention to the show for a bit or, you know, is coming back to it after being gone for a while. I think it, it the way the opening is structured as a reflection of what has happened so far mm-hmm. is a good review. But that's mm-hmm. what it is. It's a review of what you it's it's a what you what Here's you, what you what missed on Glee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's not the place to start. So I think folks are gonna still have to tell your friends it's time to dig into the series. I'm sure that there's viewing order posts on the web for people who have to have a more condensed experience. I don't know what they are. I watched the whole thing from the start, every single episode. It's weird. um, It's weird because you can't even like, I'm My girlfriend is watching it for the first time. And so, and I, I sing all the songs in the shower and it's really hard. I have to think like, Oh shit. Like they don't know X, Y, Z. Right. I spoilers begin now, folks can't like like I, I i like i was i was singing the song with the when they get rebooted and mm-hmm. and then she goes uh oh this is an amethyst but they're supposed to be big and strong and my girlfriend was like what do you mean does that mean amethyst is small and i was like oh shit <laughs> like it was really yeah. like right. there's so many there's so many things you forget that like so now she has started from the beginning so now I'm also watching from the beginning with her and there's so many things where I'm like oh they haven't gotten to this yet they haven't gotten to this yet that are just baked into the film itself um, when, when we found out that um, the, the rose secret when we found mm-hmm. out pink, the pink diamond secret I immediately like for some reason everyone who I knew who watched Steven Universe was for for some godforsaken reason behind on that season and I picked to one person that I was close to and I was like we are watching every episode you haven't watched until this so I can scream at someone about this because I can't withstand this alone and they were just like and that was like right before they did like that break before we came back it was a horrible break and no one was there to mourn with me and I was like no 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 so I ended up watching I think 
like from very early on through and then I was seeing all these like Easter eggs and I guess not Easter eggs because they're backwards like seat the, the way they were seating stuff oh they said uh, they seed so many things I was just watching like, season one and when they you know when he 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 um when he's going he's getting old really fast yes! in the one episode and he says to Lars he goes you don't know what it'll feel like for all your friends to grow up around you and I was like oh shit <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Oh, wow. I didn't even catch it. So, of course, I'm sitting there freaking out. And my girlfriend's like, what do you mean? I'm like, it's fine. Yeah. (laughs) There's so many things that are baked. Like, I'm um, stunned that they knew that was going to happen. Oh, they're so early on. Like, Pearl. Like, uh, at one point, it's like a All of Pearl episode. Stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, but Pearl turns to Garnet at one point. It's like a throwaway line. And they're, like, coming back from a thing. It might have been, like, the Cat Fingers episode or something. And Pearl turns to Garnet and is like, well, they can't be earthquakes. It has to be something else. And you're like, oh, they should, that's the cluster. Like, oh, my God. This is, like, fifth episode. Right. I was like, yeah. there's so many things that I didn't even catch. Yeah, that and that you super catch. Like, how would you catch them? Like, except retroactively. Like, the Lars line, how are you supposed to, like, anticipate Oh, that? well, so I, so I made this this comparison as a way to, like, get my girlfriend to watch it of there are a lot of things that if they are spoiled for you, you can still enjoy them. Yeah. But there, I truly believe that there are two things in this world that really, really don't I, it, please avoid having them spoiled for you because uh, the the reveal is worth the the moment and, and i I'm, think it's the adventure zone and steven universe like full stop for me it's so much like the adventure zone because i i'm also re-listening to it as she's listening to it and we don't listen uh-huh. to it a lot because she hates listening to it with me because i just sit there and cry <laughs> And I'm like, oh, no, because I know the backstory, like the re-listen value and the re-watch value on both of them is heartbreaking. Yeah. And it's like, and I say this as someone who deeply loves the show and also like it's constantly ranting about how like perfect it is and how well planned it is. But I feel like the movie was the first time where there were like plot holes and like Mm -hmm. things where I was like, oh, this is not as like expertly as it usually is and well, I, I think felt that's like that's the was- that's the weakness of a film rather than of television right that's what i'm saying it's like it's partly yeah. because it was a film instead of the yeah. medium that i think it's meant to be in which is why i was like i hope the next step is not a theatrical release because i don't know if i don't like it i don't know if it'll hold up as well as it has as a as a um serialized i think the, I think the musical element like Granted, the whole show is technically a musical, but, yeah, like, yeah. the fact that it was a musical was what made it, you could suspend your disbelief, because musicals are like that all the time. They have crazy plot holes, they don't make sense, you know, they explain shit in a song, you know what I mean? So, this, yeah. that was how and I was I, able to... As someone who writes belief. musical, the, the, the explaining things in the song was not, like, bothering me. It was, like, the little things, like, you know, like... Where does she get the poison from? And also, like, I still don't know how. I still don't know how the injector works. Like, I don't understand why destroying the injector was the goal and not getting rid of the poison. Like, I don't know which one was killing the earth. Like, there are little things that I usually don't leave Steven Universe confused about. That I was confused about, 
in this movie. And mm-hmm. I felt like it was because it was longer. Um, and because there was like more, there was both more time to tackle it, but because there was so much time, it felt like we almost had too big of a plot and well, we didn't the, get to explain the way that we usually get to explain. Yeah. But a lot of the plot was taken up by reintroducing us to these characters and sort of showing you their personal history again. That's true. Story. Yeah, which is yeah. why, so I, I, just which is why I think it was definitely, it, it was definitely more targeted towards kids in, yeah. in general. Which, which is fun. Uh, like for me, it's a kid I, show. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I see the I see the show is like a spider web, and it has little things that interconnect, and each episode has its own thing, and yeah. so it fleshes out this world for us. And I guess television works like that in general. It fleshes out this world for us over a long period of time, and mm-hmm. in a movie is when you see the cracks, and that's yeah. I mean, this is the conversation people have been having about like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, yeah, a TV. TV show or whatever is like how do you balance it being serialized when a movie inherently has cracks and mm-hmm. and that's just a part of the medium you know certain things are sacrificed for for it's you know the two storytelling. Hours. but then all the each of the movies is an episode so then it brings in that whole thing and then you have the opposite which is game of thrones where it's there shouldn't be any cracks, and yet there are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it it's it was it was interesting to see Steven Universe in this different. As a musical, I think format. it's gorgeous. Oh, like, mm-hmm. as, as a musical, it's it's abs- like I lit. We literally were working on my musical for my um fellowship because we had like some really tight deadlines coming up and we had all these days planned to work but that day we planned to work like five hours and then watch TV Universe because it's one of those shows that we sometimes just play in the background to like give us inspiration because we're like playing with a lot of um gender and like and um and like weird science and it's a good inspiration for that but we watched it and that opening number happened and we were like yes like this oh. real, like what you're doing in this opening number is done so much in musical theater and it's usually annoying and how have you made it not annoying yes this is beautiful yeah yeah i mean oh. i thought it was an amazing the opening number is really just shows shows like the broadway talent that the show has had yeah and it's interesting because some of those folks i mean estelle is a huge pop star and has been in the show <laughs> since the beginning yeah um, and amy mann had a throwaway like two lines that she sang in the third episode of the show she's another mm-hmm. huge star um and it was really great when we started to have like Patty Lapone being on was a great way for me to be able to get some of my musical theater friends. Oh, really I've been trying to get my to mom watching. to watch it. I was like, yeah. Patty's in it, mom. She's in it. And she's like, well, she's <laughs> yeah. in it a lot. And I'm like, and she's well, really no. good. No, I mean, but it's amazing. She's amount, tremendous. Though. They brought I think, her back yeah. way I think more pa- than Patty's like into voice acting now because she's yeah. doing the Passenger List podcast. Um, oh, yeah, Kelly Marie, Kelly Marie Tran is starring in a new podcast by Lauren Shippen. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, it's really great. Colin Morgan from, uh, from, uh, Merlin is in it. And, uh, <gasps> Benedict from Supernatural is in it. And Patty Lapone is in it. And it's starring Kelly Marie Tran. And it's by the creator of The Bright Sessions, uh, Lauren. And it's, I think the first two episodes just came out. And I was trying to pitch it to my mom because I was like, Patty's in it. Apparently she's living her best life voice acting because she's been killing it in Steven Universe. And she is doing this podcast now, and she's also in uh, 
the what's his name? Oh God, John Cameron Mitchell. His new oh, his, his, his podcast, podcast uh, anthem homunculus. Yeah. She's in that too. So mm. I think Patty's just like loving voice acting right now. <laughs> I think that's the the deal, and I'm really liking it because she's just in all the things that I like. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm not a big musicals yes. person about contemporary musicals, but oh, like, really? I love Patty Lapone, and and these were names that I knew. And then they had the new voice actress come in to do Spinel, and I heard yes! it, I, was like, I she's got to be a Broadway actor. She, I knew right yeah, away, she's and from, she is. Uh, Avenue yeah. Q, yeah. yeah. I recognized Q. her voice immediately, but I can't remember who she was. I was like, I know this voice. This voice is very distinct. And with Patty, like every time I see Yellow Diamond, I see Patty. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the yeah. way that Yellow Diamond even like like it's animated. It's very like company. Yeah. Like, who is that like, storyboard artist? <laughs> that storyboard yeah. artist is watching. Is watching. Well, you, you know, know they don't. They don't um like have scripts for Steven Universe. They just storyboard. So like wow. that person is just part of all. Because I was looking, I was like desperately looking for a script for Steven Universe so I could copy it. Um and there and I found like this whole article where they were like they don't do that. <laughs> they only storyboard. <laughs> so like that person wow. is involved wow. in every part of it. That's why. That's interesting. Is that I think with the you know the cast is so diverse generationally yeah. and in terms of background. And yeah. I think that that must be bringing so much to like you know Lars is Filipino. Lars is voice mm-hmm. actor is Filipino, and like it's like they're able to bring themselves to the story in those ways. Mm-hmm. Actually, I saw a tweet from the two composers about how the number of musical collaborators that went in, not even just to the songs, but to the just the score, um, like. They said, like, usually it's just the two of them, but for mm-hmm. this, they brought in a ton of people, and they did a whole thread mm-hmm. about it. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't remember all the details, but they were talking about, like, the amount... No chance the rapper. Ted Leo, you know, from Ted Leo and the Pharmacists, is, like, a creative, like, he's, like, BFFs, basically, with Amy Mann. And so she, I guess, had gotten him into doing this. And he did the voice of Steg, A.E. Stephen and Greg. <laughs> yeah, and he merged. was amazing. Uh, His voice was so damn good. But the other thing is, like, he is a guy from a rock band. Mm-hmm. And I they felt really like the have everybody songs, in this. She it's does. like, they got yeah. pop stars, they got Patti Lapone, they got rock mm-hmm. stars. Like, but I mean, because they do everything competently. And I think there's yeah, something yeah. about that, like, you, you don't feel like, Oh, like this is going to be a Broadway version of a rock star. It's like Steg's song is a is that like it's, yeah it's, yeah. And I don't think that that has always been the case with the show. So that's why I really feel like like <laughs> I I really enjoy like Fly Like a Comet, even though um yeah. oh my god, the voice actor who does Steven's dad does not really have a voice for that kind no. of rock music. No. So, it's just like I'm like I want to do that and I want to do it like as a rock song because I can do that I, I sing but like that whatever but um but for this it was like okay Ted Leo sound is singing this wonderfully there's a r- guitar solo that's a real guitar solo yeah like it had that additional skill laid into it well I, feel and I like, thought the rock songs on this were the best that they've had I do feel like fly like a con well yeah I agree that I do think that this is the best rock songs they've had I do think part of the the commentary with fly with the comet is like this is why greg never became a makes star it. yeah like this is because yeah. he actually doesn't have the voice <laughs> wow we're really like, dr- really dragging on greg today well, no, no it's but it's not- he sells the stuff he sells the stuff it, it works for the personality yeah. yeah and also but also it's not a commentary on greg because like he does make 
thousands and or like millions, whatever, however much money he makes rich, he, he makes song, it because yeah. he wrote. He's an amazing song. It's a flashback. So like, but like that, his songs from when he was young sells because it's a good song. And then he manages this band where Sadie does have a voice and Sadie mm-hmm. does have like this wonderful personality and like character. So I think that it's part of the commentary of like. Greg would have made it if he had the voice. He doesn't. <laughs> like, because yeah. he was and a one-man band, yeah. right? Yes, that also oh, is a wait, challenge. that's like the whole. That's all. That's a whole like me- st- the, metaphor. The yeah, metaphor is. is like you. You can like you do better when you have other people, and other he was people. alone. And uh, God, this show. It's got. It's like <laughs> Shrek. Oh, it's got layers. Layers. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, one of the things that was the first thing that we were teased with the movie was the character design for Spinell, Spinell, oh. who we became Spinell. So when I first saw the character design for her in the trailers, it really bugged me. It looked like she was from a different show. Time. The character yeah. design was so different. It was, it was super cartoony and it really bugged me. It felt like it was from a different show. And then when they introduced her in the show and you see her physical movement and even oh. before you see the flashback to how she was before she was traumatized and went evil, um, her motions, she's bouncing around like a Max Fleischer cartoon. She's yeah. drawn like a like a, you know an early animation cartoon. And that yeah. she has the noodle did, arms. Did you see And she the... has the face like, um, you know, Mickey Mouse. It's all very deliberate. She's from a different Time. school of design, from a different time period, a someone, different style. Someone and it made totally a really good Tumblr post that was like, she doesn't look like Mickey Mouse. She looks like Mickey Mouse's predecessor, Oswald. Yeah, yeah and Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, who is the the one who's left behind. And I was like, oh my god, that's a deep cut. <laughs> like, yeah. And it makes total sense, because as soon as I saw her, I was like, what does this look like? And there are certain shots that are at exact... Um, homage to like Steamboat Willie and stuff like that yeah because as soon as I saw it I was like oh it's Steamboat Willie and then other people were like no Mm -hmm. like there's actually it's more of a reference to Oswald because she's the forgotten one I was like oh my god (laughs) like but also I was like oh is this a dig at Disney because I'm into it (laughs) I think it's more of a like it's that further commentary on like Homeworld and like how much like Jim's look the way they look like homeworld has that very western um ideology of like difference like the only purpose for difference is for me to be able to tell where you fit into this hierarchy like if you have a vagina i need to know that so i know how to treat you if you're black i need to know that so i know how to treat you and it's the same on homeworld it's like I need to know if you're a ruby so I know how to treat you because I'm not going to treat you the way I would an amethyst. Like, you, mm-hmm. like I need to know where you fit into this hierarchy. And Spinell is, like, so different from the rest of Homeworld because I think she's almost, like, singular. Like, are there too many other Spinells? Like, well, does anyone I else get I think she's a, a toy. Well, she's a toy. Friend? Yeah. Like, yeah they basically they, treat her they, as a toy, and she's designed and drawn like a toy. Like, it's what like they... Gem, like if all the gems are constructed, she's even further constructed. Yeah. Like they, even more they imply that like there are multiple, like they're made only for entertainment. Like she's the court jester, you know? What right. I mean? Like they, they, they imply that she, that like that she's like, oh, a spinel. Like you're so lucky. Like she's like a special toy, you know? What right. I mean? And like, and that they but don't make very the implication. Many. That- 
yeah, that they're rare, like that they're super rare. In the way that like Peridot kind of comments on pearls being like this, this signal of wealth for them Pearl to like even extrapolate on that and be like, oh, you're really lucky because these don't like get made. (laughs) Like, so like, I think, yeah, that that throwback of design is really emphasized, you know, even gems, like in a world where everyone is made to order, this is even more made to order. Yeah. Yeah. Her hey, villain I, song is just one of the greatest villain songs. Oh, I also. sing it every day in the shower. Every day. The best like, song? Ah, oh, the other, other friends. Other friends. It oh my god, when she showed up, I was just like, I don't know who this is, but I'm on her side. <laughs> as soon as the song started, I was like, and that's going in the sing-along playlist? I don't even know all the words yet. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it was, I, I remember, I was like, I was watching it, and I was like, first of all, it's a bop. And second of all, <laughs> it like... Uh, it the tremendous feat of acting that's in it like every the choices you're like oh this is this is some meaty acting right here (laughs) you're like oh yeah i feel like when she does her oh i'm sorry sorry no it's the one thing that did strike me about it on re-listening is like musically it sounds like the most traditional broadway song of the bunch exactly it's actually not played with an orchestra so no. like, they have orchestra doing a lot of the songs here, and I'm a sucker for orchestra. And I mm. love how thoroughly robust the soundtrack is. It's not just songs; there's actual score behind so much of the so much of the movie. Um, but it was interesting that that's that song, even though it's the most traditionally Broadway sounding of the songs, um, that it didn't have um, like a fully like a full strings arrangement. I don't know. Um, I actually think that the part of the reason why that so like why it doesn't have a full orchestra, even though it's steep Broadway, it's because of the type of musical song it is. It's it's definitely a um, it's like a patter like, song, it, right? Well, it's not. A, it's actually it's not a patter song, no. But um, because it's a um, if if Spinell was our protagonist, this would be her "I Want" song. Like yeah. it's a song that specifically so that we get to know. Um, the character and those don't always have full orchestra because you actually it's actually more about the actors it's and more exposition too it, it, it's more exposition but like I'm I'm trying to think of like good I, I well like okay has anyone seen Next to Normal <laughs> non-musical I've seen in a long time sorry if it's not from the 70s okay I haven't I'm trying to so. think of, like, it's like um uh, that's an ensemble song, so that doesn't really work. I was gonna say Skid Row from Little Shop of Horrors, but that's no, it, that that's one, a, yeah, that one's opener. a little more. But it's actually like in 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 um in Little Shop of Horrors and um, the 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 song about the trees, the the song where at it's the end, some places where green. it's green, yeah, where yeah. the music is a little more simple. That's like a good I want song, even though it still has full orchestra. Yeah. But it's not as like big as well. Like, I mean, I think the road. example would be like up Corner of the Sky. And Corner of the yes. Sky is still is yes. orchestra, but Absolutely. it's not it's not as complex. That's perf- yes. That's it's a perfect example. It. What I yeah. saw in that song was it was like a traditional like Disney movie villain song of like It is this because is most one of the songs. <laughs> they're they're I want songs given to the villain and it's a very specific yeah. thing that Disney does a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as I, like, it reminded me of Friends on the Other Side from Prince and the Frog, which is one of my favorite Disney movies, and 
Uh, I mean, not because just friends, but like uh, it. it uh, there was a couple. There's a couple song like you know. Be it's like kind of like a be prepared kind of song because they're also usually in the beginning. Because mm. they're like, I'm the villain. I'm evil. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I want um, you to know. This being Steven Universe, you know it's going to all just be deconstructed through it. I mean, I think that's yeah. one of the questions is like, people coming into this were wondering, is this going to be, or we all were wondering, like, is this going to be another case in which um, Steven is able to, where the villain is someone who's traumatized and Steven is able to help see them through that trauma or transform that's it, that's it in some the show. way. I mean, that's what the show, yeah, that's what the show I does. Think, I actually think what the movie does really well, and this is why I, like, some people were like, I felt like the movie is an ending, and I was like, I felt like the end of last season felt like an ending to me, and I was mm-hmm. like, how are you going to undo this? And then yeah. I felt like the film actually did that really well, because the whole point of the film is there are no, like, endings. That's not how, like, life works. Yeah. And, like, yeah. You could always re-enter Steven's life, and eventually there's going to be a storyline there because that's how life works. And because we have to assume that Steven is Rose living life. Is right. a mess. <laughs> is that, well, Rose is a mess, but also just, like, life in general doesn't. Yeah. Like, if Steven's not dead, then Steven has a story. It might not be as interesting a story um, sometimes, but there's always a story for you to watch. And I feel mm-hmm. like the film, the film really... Um, really drove that home but what it particularly drove home which i was glad it did was um was like shut up about this show being we sing a song and the problem is solved one we don't do that like look at the fact that white diamond is still calling people inferior beings like we're very deliberate about the fact that it takes time for you to become a better person like we're we're not pretending that that's true also, yes, it is true. Like, when Spinell comes in, it's like, you can't fix all the problems with a song. It's like, yes, oh, I, I I died. I almost died. Because that was my yes. thought. I was like, wait, so he sang the song? We're good? We're whatever? And then she's like, yes. you can't just solve it with a song. And I was like, oh, they just dragged themselves. Oh, my God. Right. I was like, and I felt like that was a direct call out to everyone who was like, oh, we're just going to get a villain. And they're going to sing a song and it's fixed. And I really felt like it was Rebecca Sugar and also just, like, the whole team being like, yes. Because it's a kid's show. It's yeah, well, this is something I was going to say are we going to dig into because obviously Steven Universe, because it's one of those shows that's never on, has some of the worst discourse on the internet. So I've seen <laughs> some truly heinous takes. And there's been a lot of discourse about how the ending of the show and the movie has this uncomfortable thing of how, like, the diamonds are oppressors and now they're just, like, fun aunts that are kind of insulting sometimes and and how it deals with like and so and but then there was a lot of people who were like but the point is that the show is a parable the show is it's it's not Mm -hmm. supposed to be a direct reflection of life even though there are a lot of real issues in there it's a parable about how as a child you deal with these issues less than a here's what would really happen kind of thing Mm -hmm. even though those critiques are really valid and so like the discourse has been quite something but Yeah. yeah that was something that I wanted to kind of talk about of like I think you mentioned this in your last episode and about the finale of like you know the you know the the other gems they're like still scared of the diamonds because they've done bad things to them and you know yeah. it's kind of a a thing about how you're there's you know structural trauma and stuff like that and it's yeah it's just it was just 
it was interesting to see how it was handled in the movie and then how people talked about it and then for people to be like well that's a part of what the show is it's that paradox of like this is a serious issue I, I also think it's like I also deeply believe it's fair. Like in a, and and yeah. I say this a lot about other shows that are not Steven Universe who, who try the whole who do the whole like in a real world like um, white people and men etc are not going to stop abusing us out of nowhere. That's just not going to happen. And yeah. my answer to that is always like, this is not a real world. Like that's the like the, that's like, the point. That's- <laughs> it's a fantasy. It's an escapist fantasy. Even if it's not a fantasy, it's fictional. Like it's deeply yeah. fictional. And so the excuses that we sometimes use for like, oh, this character is this deeply abusive because in real life they would be deeply abusive, sometimes irk me because sometimes for the narrative that makes sense, and other times I'm like, okay, but you didn't have to do this because they are actually not real. They're yeah. not a real person. They this don't is have something... that nuance. They don't have that lived experience. They're crafted. And I think Steven Universe does this wonderful inversion of that, of, like, if our world is not real, and I actually have control of a huge colonizing force, then what would happen if they actually decolonize? And right. you have this two years of them actively decolonizing, and the answer is they become fun aunts. Fun, vaguely racist not completely, <laughs> not completely <laughs> who has successfully stopped killing people, stopped colonizing planets, freed all of their people. The, you were talking about how they actively decolonize, and it's something I never really thought about, but, like, at the beginning of the song, of the movie, where he's like, okay, great, keep doing that, keep working. I feel like that's... Favorite lines. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's such a revolutionary message of... This is going to be work that you have to do for the rest of your life. Rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And um, also, you're supposed to. There's no reward for this. Like, the reward isn't that I come live with you and be yeah. your reminder of Rose and be nice to you to reward you for doing everything I told you to do. I told you to do everything I told you to do because you're you're fucking colonizers. Stop it. <laughs> well, um, yeah. the, other, the other thing about, like, there's a whole thing in Steven Universe about like what is sentience what is having emotions whatever because they yeah. all realize that that's an option and what steven is saying to the diamonds is basically in the movie and he said before is like what comes with that is dealing with the consequences of your actions like it's yeah. not just all hunky-dory and he, and because he's had to deal with that and now he basically has to teach every fucking gem he comes across that it's yeah. the bad it's dealing it's dealing with the bad stuff too and a constant work and it's yeah. every mm-hmm. gem kind of doing the surprise pikachu face of like oh <laughs> like, <laughs> well i mean like, if i think oh. yeah that's beautiful actually I, he had to do that to pearl too because pearl he was like he had to do it to everyone who, like, I think even to Garnet to an extent. The only yeah. person he didn't really have to do it to is Amethyst because Amethyst is also an Earthling and has well, never she had up. to do it to herself. I mean, of like, because ex- she ran away and then she, like she kind of she kind of worked it out herself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is what Stephen did. Like Stephen yeah. had to have his growing point yeah. but I think they both can do that because and it, it speaks to socialization they both can do that because they didn't spend hundreds of years being socialized into this hierarchy and this very rigid social structure they don't yeah. have anything to really unlearn they just have to learn and so they can go off by themselves and learn Stephen, what Stephen really does is like you have to unlearn unlearn now 
DJ and, and <laughs> that was wild when he had to have not only did Garnet have to do it, but Garnet had to do it and Ruby and Sapphire, and Sapphire had to do it. Had to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, one of the th- yeah. I mean, I think one of the big political things that also stood out for me from this was, you know, Stephen begins this movie feeling like he's accomplished what he needed to accomplish. Now we're in ha- happily ever after it right. begins now and we can just like enjoy our lives and it's like no the struggle is never actually over and it's important that he is able to take time and spend time with his family and not just completely like give his life to the struggle but it doesn't just end so it sort of reminded me like all those people who thought that they could stop showing up at protests because Obama got elected yeah and it was like no, that's not how it works. Even if Obama told you you don't have to come protesting anymore and he like took down his organizing program, uh, mm-hmm. we actually have to still stay organizing and we have to stay yeah. active or else Trump happens. So I saw it, I actually saw it from more of a, I, I like that. I didn't see it because when I initially saw it, I saw it as a, um, a coming of age thing of like the, oh. the initial one, the initial one is like, if we're going to put it in the way of like books like the initial one is like a children's story of coming of age the harry potter the whatever and then the movie is where we almost get into ya territory of like of being a teenager which is Hmm. reckoning with i've already done so much work to figure out who i am and i'm not even really finished of doing that yet but now i'm realizing what being an adult is and that's hard (laughs) because he's like you know i've done all the work and that's how you feel when you're a teenager you're like i know who i am and then you realize like all the other shit that comes with that as an adult and that's why being a teenager is hard and that's kind of him at the end where he's just like i guess it's never gonna end and he's like uh. <laughs> yeah. He's like not that happy, and you're like, oh, he's a teenager now. I mean, other than his voice, which is, it's super wild that he's that they let him use his normal voice, but like, yeah. it's very much a uh, a really teen story, and it actually reminds me of I read the Percy Jackson books still, yeah. and the initial the books grow up with the readers. And the initial books are for kids, and then the later books, and now they're still going, are YA and young adult. And it grows up, It Stephen grows up with you. He like, and much like how those books grow up with you, of like how the story, the goal of the story changes. That before yeah. it's he's finding himself, and now he's finding he has to find himself what that means as an adult and I think also I mean there's also the the literal element of this for Steven is he didn't think he could grow up for a long time which shout out to that Sailor Moon reference because that is Chibiusa through and through I see you Hmm. entire SU team (laughs) was the Sailor Moon thing I'm I'm not literate in the Sailor Moon so her daughter who for a couple seasons basically her daughter shows up because she goes into the past and hangs out with her mother and all her friends in the past when they're teenagers. Um, yeah, and her daughter, out. her daughter, like they, they've gotten to a point in the future where, like, you know, because of the power of the silver crystal, whatever, like they, you know, grow up and then they stay that age for a very long time. And the thing about her is, like, she's stuck. She's stuck as a little girl and she's been like that for a really long time. And she wants to grow up and she wants to become a sailor scout. And that's why she's like, I want to train and whatever. And she wants to be beautiful like her mother. A lot of this is implied, but I've also read the manga and stuff like that. And it very much reminded me of Steven Universe of how 
he wants to grow up, he wants to fight with the rest of them, and he's stuck, and he doesn't know why, and it's a psychological thing. It's not a magic thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's connected to the magic. And I think as, as sort of bridging of those, it, it also feels like it's really emphasizing how circular um, life is, but it's like, especially yeah. Stephen's Steven's life is like even that the whole show is that we have to go into the circle of everyone's lives um yeah. and like start yeah. from the beginning every start we literally have to do that but yeah. that his whole lesson is about change and it's like that all the lessons you've learned you can't just like suddenly forget them because you reached the goal that you were learning those lessons for like they're still gonna mm-hmm. you're still gonna need them for other struggles which I, I, which to say that that bridges back to you, it's um, to the whole um, movement thing. It's like, I felt like that does happen in movements sometimes where we're like, yeah. oh, we learned that we have to be flexible and that we have to get number that it's really effective to get numbers in this way and that this works and that this works. And then we reach our goal, the random goal being like getting Obama elected. We reach that goal and then we're like, oh, we don't need these lessons anymore yeah and then something happened and it was like what were the lessons what? <laughs> well, one like, of the things uh, that i loved is like having the you know the bismuth in her role in this she's the uh, person who comes in and sings i love Uso. Like, yeah. shout out to her you voice have- by the way when she sang we are the crystal yeah. gems i was like oh nice she's amazing so like she's the one who shake who asked who has to sort of say to steven like ultimately yeah you're gonna have to keep fighting um, she's the one who wakes him up when he keeps going back to here we are in the future and it's wrong. And she's like, yes, yeah. it is wrong. And you have to keep working. Well, that's like, what happened really to her. That's yeah. what happened to her because she woke up and the future was wrong. And I think that's something oh. that she had already, cause she got she frozen yeah. in the middle of it. And then she woke up and the future was incredibly different than she expected are, it to be. All yeah. her friends are gone. Everyone it's and her leader is gone and her and, leader and is betrayed her small, and betrayed yeah. her. And I and think no she's already been through that. Actually happened and yeah. I I uh I really love the gem town and just seeing uh, gems integrating into earth and like yes. building their own community on earth for the gems who I guess these are predominantly a lot of the gems who've been formerly corrupted. Yes. Um, and are now like being it. healed. And people who seem like they just wanted to move. Yeah, like all the the rebels who were hanging out with, um, with 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 our rebel captain. Yeah. Uh, with Lars. With Lars, Lars in space, and yeah. I was so happy just seeing our giant fluorite, the yes. po- oh. our, everyone's polyamorous grandma, just like <laughs> sitting there having a donut with like all eight of her partners, just being yes. like gigantic. Well, and that was the other cool thing, like all the. I mean, they do this on purpose, but, like, all the, like, the diversity of the gems in Little Homeworld and how they all look different and all that kind of thing. Like, ah, it was yeah. just so beautiful to see. I was like, oh, man, it's I'm going to cry. Was it Jasper in there? Or there was just another I Jasper? didn't see her. That's one of my open questions is what is happening with Jasper? I didn't see Jasper, and I feel like that she's definitely going to show up in the next season. I'd, I'd love to see him now deal with things that are not related to just his mother's crimes <laughs> like yeah i, I, I want to see a pr- process in Gemtown and like look at like what reintegrating people you know like is like and like 
having yeah, the humans exactly, also yeah. come to terms with the gems role in the history of the country yeah. and like i really uh, ari when you said that you felt like the season five finale actually was a good ending and then the movie reopened everything like i really think that that you nailed it you really nailed it i mean it's the, it's the force awakens like it's the force awakens of steven universe while they may be similar and they have their own flaws, like, I still really enjoyed it. And, like, I... There's been a lot of talk about, like, what does the sequel series mean and like, Star Wars. I like to compare them because they're both space opera, but they're so very different. Space Uh, opera, yeah. Space opera about growing up. Yeah, and Steven Universe (laughs) is... it's about a space war, but it's about a it with a positive thing on life. And the the thesis in Star Wars is such a pessimist thing that like yeah. no matter what happens, no matter what magic there is in this world, there will always be pointless war. And yeah. the thing about I've talked about this a lot about the sequel series in Star Wars of like the end of the first six movies, it was supposed to have hope of like they actually did it and this is they didn't expect that to happen and like this endless cycle of war actually does have an end and then Mm -hmm. they reopened the scab and then they were like oh and by the way your favorite character's kid is a fascist and there's neo-nazis and everything's terrible again and princess leia has to like get back on the wagon it's such a pessimistic thing to see and I, and that's kind of how I felt about the Steven Universe movie. I'm like, I really like this, but also I'm very sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was actually the inverse for me because, like, I've been talking about, I've talked about this with a couple other people, and I, like, deeply believe this. I think one of the most interesting things to me ideologically, because I am a nerd, about Steven Universe <laughs> is, um, is, like, that because one part, half of Steven's, lineage like at least steven's matrilineal lineage is literally only one ancestor yeah. he has this incredible ability to like actually psychically c- communicate with his ancestors that like most people can't do because you have more than one ancestor um and so like just having that like the avatar mind- it's like the avatar it's, it's like the avatar but with the avatar is that like you have you have this lineage of really strong ancestors who have created a very intentional spiritual link to you. With Stephen, it's like you have only one, <laughs> like, and she mm, lives yeah. in your stomach, and so like, yeah. so that the and she committed war crimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, she committed war crimes, but the thing is, like, if we think about particularly like white people's ancestral lineage. that most white people's ancestors have committed many war crimes (laughs) or have been complicit Mm -hmm. in war crimes. And so the tricky thing about it is, like, you don't have that direct link. How are you going to grapple with all the war crimes all your ancestors have ever committed? And this is even true, like, for African-American people because even though it's, like, forced, you have ancestors who, who committed war crimes on your ancestors. So, like, it's very complicated and weird to deal with that ancestral lineage. Steven Universe simplifies that by giving him one ancestor who has created, who has committed war crimes, and thus he can actually grapple with what that means in a real way that addresses it. Because, like in Star Wars, you can't, you can't address it, and also they don't try to. Like, you, you find. That was the wild thing, I think, about The Last Jedi. Obviously, we won't get into this too much, but, like, yeah. that where Luke Skywalker... I think that's why so many people were so uncomfortable with it, was yeah. where Luke Skywalker grapples with 
the the bad things and the wrong yeah. things that the Jedi did, and people didn't like seeing that shit. Like he said, right. it's like they were wrong. They were wrong. Right. And that uh, to me, that was my favorite part of the movie. It's not my favorite Star Wars movie, but that was my favorite part of the movie where he goes and he goes. Uh, he, much like Steven, he he knew nothing about his lineage. He had no one to teach right. him. He had to go figure it the fuck out himself. And then went. They were wrong. And I yeah. don't believe in this. And I feel demoralized. And and I feel like I. But I feel like healing. That's how healing comes. And like for yeah. me, the fun thing of the film was that Steven has been doing this for so long now. Like Steven mm-hmm. has assumably yeah. been doing this for four years. That when yet again the ancestral baggage comes up. This yeah. time he can be like, I can't believe mom. No, I totally believe mom did that. Okay, that, can we? Yes, oh, that, that was such so an amazing many- line. <laughs> that was just- such an amazing line. I, I, I totally yeah. believe that. And okay, let's just skip to the part where we work through the trauma that my ancestor is responsible for and push on. And I'm like, that's the only thing that descendants of colonizers can do. Like, all you yeah. can do is like, yes, I know okay, how do we move, how do we push through this? It's going right. to be messy. It's going to be hard. And I really love that Steven Universe gives, like, gives us, like, a working, like, place to watch that happen in real time. And that it can be simple because you only have the one. Like, you don't have, like, and, and you have one that you can directly trace. You're like, oh, it's definitely Rose. It's always Rose. <laughs> yeah. No, my favorite meme was the one... <laughs> The what you know the girl who's like in the TikTok who's trying to test the kombucha and someone edited Stephen's hair onto her and then it was like and it was like Stephen when he's like, when he heard that it was Rose and he was like <laughs> like he was like yep that's on track and I was like that why was that so per- I it's funny because for a while Stephen Universe hasn't been funny and I've been rewatching the earlier episodes and I'm like oh this show is funny yeah, and, it was hilarious and then they got and very the movie, heavy. Yeah, and the right. movie got back to that. There's so many moments where I just cracked up laughing. Where I, I was that. like, oh That's my god. <laughs> like, it, it used to be really funny. Like, it was structured almost like... Because he was tendons. way more innocent. Mm. I feel like the humor in this one was really... A lot of it was in the songs and in small moments. Yeah. Like, and it's like sort of one, like, yeah. it's funny in the context of the story. Like, I love, I mean, and it's not even, not even like a ha-ha funny sometimes. It's like a mmm. Mmm, like, funny. Like Diamond's singing about, uh, oh, Steven, he's always putting others first. And it's like funny, the moment yeah. of like, because that's always going to be great. Funny. It's like, that's uh, not always great. Um, Which is another uh, reason why you cannot watch this without having seen the series or else it doesn't, it doesn't clock. It's like, not funny. It's literally no. not funny in the same, like yeah, that yeah. line, for example, it's not funny because you have to sit with the three seasons where we just think Rose is great to the three seasons where we find out Rose is the literal worst. <laughs> and <laughs> to like, this movie where it's like, okay, we're at a solid medium ground where we can agree that Rose did some really great stuff and it's also the literal worst. Yeah, well, heroes heroes are complicated. Like, And I appreciate that this is giving the space for there to be like a revolutionary leader who did things that were important and essential and then also abused her followers. Yeah. That is not something I've ever heard of in real life before. <clears throat> um, <laughs> so she's just like... Yeah, she's like, she's just straight up, that's real. Um, right. And even before she had followers, that she was like, she was completely and totally complicit in this she was system. A, she's a tourist, right? She's sort of a tourist in social change. Well, and that 
all she wanted was, I want a colony because it's fun. And I then, want my own planet. I want my own army. It's like, no, she's, uh, she's like, mommy, I want it now. Yeah. <laughs> Willy Wonka. Oh, what was that? Someone made that meme. Ah, uh, wait, speaking, speaking of that whole thing, like, if there's one thing crazier than Star Wars conspiracy theories, it's Steven Universe conspiracy theories. And the <laughs> fact that the craziest one ended up being the plot was right. wild. Like, I saw, I saw the, those conspiracy theories about Pink Diamond for years. Yeah. And I was like, that's crazy! And then, and much like Korosami, where you were kind of like, Hey, wait, are they gay? Like around the last season. <laughs> yeah. You kinda you kinda got close and you were like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, is this real? You're like, wait, is this the crack theory I've been seeing on YouTube for three years? Like, is this happening? Yeah. And then it happened. I was like, what the hell? Like like I I it, it for a second because I was like, okay, so like she got all these people killed because she couldn't stand up to her parents? Are you that kidding was- me? That was my thing. Like right. a lot of a lot of her other actions, I could chalk up to a person who was abused, me. a person who was brainwashed, and yeah. was trying to figure their shit out. A person who makes mistakes. The part where she started the whole war—you start a war just <laughs> because she and pretends to be someone else and, it and must have been lies like to everything that they would kill a planet. But I'm yeah. like, or like I, I'm like. She must have felt so abused that she, for some reason, thought that her death wouldn't result in that kind of mass violence from her family, which blows my mind. And, like, Mm -hmm. to live with that guilt, I think, must have been really, like, soul-crushing to have to live with that type of guilt, which is, I think, part of the reason why she wanted to be able to change so much and to, like, actually live and grow and become different because, like... You can't stay in stasis if, like, part of your stasis is that kind of guilt. But on the other hand, I'm like, oh, I do not care how well-meaning this woman was, this gym was. Like, no. I'm like, I'm like, fuck Pink Diamond. (laughs) I have no sympathy for you. I mean, that's how I feel often about Kylo Ren, where people are like, he was abused. And I'm like, yeah. Shut up. And I'm like, you know what? Other people were abused and they also didn't choose abused, to be a piece yes. of shit. So, yeah. no. And it's sort of like, right, it's a question like, you know, and of course you're like, you have emotional damage and trauma from it. But like, are you processing it the way like Lapis did? Or are you processing right. it the way like Kylo to Ren fair, does? There's like a big, <laughs> there's a big difference. The planet too. <laughs> so, yeah. yep. Almost drown um, everyone. Know, so they so, do tend to have <laughs> But like, but the point is that but that she eventually did listen, and you know what yes. I mean, and like, yes. and, mm-hmm. and 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 came to empathize with other people, yeah. And it was you know actually but, ended up sacrificing herself more than she necessary, like right. You know, giving up her freedom with yeah to really make up for that, and, absolutely. So that's one thing I really do want to see more Peridot and Lapis in the future. Yes. Yes. First of all, <laughs> Lapidot yeah. writes. Lapidot writes. I need to see them fuse. Let's see it happen. I don't know. Um, I think I think there must be a reason why they're not like. And I'm I'm going to throw this out there. And I because they have okay. to pay for another voice actor. Well, that, no. No. <laughs> At this point, I'm not too worried. But I'm going to throw this out there, and I I I'm okay if people like disagree with it. But like, I think it might also be because um, 
Well, not, this might not be why they're not doing it, but I've been, like, happy about them not fusing because, like, I feel like, um, even though all the fusions obviously don't have romantic connotations, that, like, so often it, it we think, of, like, there is yeah. a romantic connotation. And I really don't want them to date, especially since it looks like Steven and Connie are going to be a thing, which I was, like, on... As being someone who's deeply invested in platonic relationships and, like, wanting men so desperately, like, intimate platonic relationships, I was just like, come on, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And now yeah, they're setting it's it a, out. It's a cartoon. Oh. You know it's happening. Like, a, I mean, yeah. from the I jump. Know. I just watched I, the episode where is, he met her. It is and I was like, oh, like, yeah. You're just uh, like, come on. It's his one friend who's a girl. And I, I mean, they've already fused in like, yeah. so it's like, all right, I'll give one I heterosexual rights. I'll give one het rights. But like, right. you know. I, I, know, I sort of like, I, you, I hope I that this is not a thing where this is the only friendship. relationship that they, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I just like, sometimes I want friendship to just, I want like you to have a deeply intimate relationship that could result in a fusion and still it be platonic. Like I just yeah. wanted that. <laughs> I well, totally but there agree. are there are several of those on the show. Like, mm-hmm. uh, actually, I mean, again, this is another I episode mean, that I just everyone. watched. Yeah, is um, a Peridot and Pearl of how they're they oh, were, yeah, did not start as, they did not start as close, and now no, they're very close. Yeah, yeah, they did, and now they're very close, and they form opal very easily, and they're. I'm, like, I'm sorry, you don't mean Peridot, you mean Amethyst and Pearl. Sorry, Amethyst, and Amethyst. Oh my God, yeah. why am I saying Peridot? Yeah. I was like, I was like, when did that happen? Peridot, like, I mean, yeah. no. Oh God. <laughs> but I think, like, you know, I'm sure for I'm sure like Am- for Lapis, like you know, fusing is something associated with trauma for her because of her yeah. things happened. And, you That's know, I just my thing with like Stephen and Connie is just like you probably shouldn't get married to the person who you've known since you were eight. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to be there and say that. Like, I think it'd be beautiful for them to like be able to be go friends, to college, to have, like, Thank to have relationships with other Honey. people, have adult <laughs> friendships. You know, like yeah. it's very foregone, and they're very young. We already and have I, our you know, obligatory yeah. heterosexual relationship between Lars and Sadie. Like, come on, we've already ticked the box. Come on. <laughs> I don't even know if that's what's happened with them either. Like, I think that with Lars, and, Lars Sadie are, and Sadie, they're dating. Yeah, I, think, I think they did. They said are they, they are. I think in the film. I think that was kind of implied. I'm not positive. Oh, really? I, I feel like they said it at one point in the finale or hmm. something. Don't they kiss think- at one point? I, I forgot. In this? I don't think so. I mean, no, not in this. Not in this. In the, in the oh, I love the complexity of their relationship when like, uh, they were on the island and that was really yes. messed up and they're manipulating each other. I don't know that they resolved that, actually. And I think um, it was resolved, actually, by them being apart. Like, I think, yeah. I think yeah. particularly we see it resolved when... Steven comes into the the space pirate ship and mentions Sadie and like Lars, who has his whole life now, who is, isn't in this codependent relationship with Sadie anymore because he literally has to survive, briefly reverts. And then mm-hmm. after seeing himself reverts, goes, why am I doing this? I am a space pirate now. Like, why yeah. am I? No, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm stopping it. And so you kind of see him. And Sadie kind of grapple with their problems with codependency away from each other. I would like to see them grapple with it in, like, together. Like, also see if that plays yeah. out when they're together. That's but cool. I agree. That would be cool. <laughs> I guess my, my Lapidot thing was more like, I, I, like, 
I have loved seeing Lapis's growth and I wanted to see yes. her. And I would I love do. to I would love to yeah. see Lapis get to the point where she's comfortable with her enough with herself that she can fuse with someone even if it's yeah. only one person cuz that would mean that she's feeling better and cuz I just mm. want the best for her. I do too. <laughs> um yeah. and I and I definitely think she's the kind of person and they kind of hinted at this of like I don't want to fuse now but I may want to in the future. But yeah, like, really, the only person she would want to with is Peridot because it's the only person she trusts. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, and that would be a really cool thing of like of talking about like that kind of intimacy, even if it wasn't overtly romantic. That being said, they need to turn up the gay some more. But then more they're going to get turned off in most countries. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. I the the main thing I was also really missing from the finale is Mystery Girl. Like, yes! I really need yes! Pearl. Where to, is Miss and Pearl? I also felt like. The, and I felt the way that Pearl's story with Rose is retold in the opening made it feel more heterosexual really? than it was. Yeah. And I understand in the gloss of like, you're giving this 10 seconds before we move on to the next part of the song. Like, that's what that is. But then we, but see, like, we see her whole thing again in when she does the whole song and then becomes Opal. The sex song. Together. Independent together. That song. Yeah, that song was really great. When they do that whole whole scene of, like, Stephen and and Greg have to fuse to help Pearl have her gay awakening again. Yes. Yes. And that's the other thing. It was so brilliant to have her accidentally get imprinted on Greg because it makes it as so uncomfortable. It's, like, so much more uncomfortable that it's a man. Greg's like, oh, no. This is exactly what we don't want. Greg is such a good guy, right? Like, Greg 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 is someone who just deeply understands how terrible that is. It is going to (laughs) work his damnedest to make that not be the thing. Greg is, like, dropped in a group of lesbians. And he's, like, and all the lesbians, like, have all these, like, issues. And he's just, like... Uh, oh no like it and now he's like friends with the ex and now he's just like i i don't know what to do with this yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's like it like just like if there's a real brainwashing is happening instead of like even being yeah. like briefly like oh at least pearl likes me more now is immediately like pearl would hate this pearl would hate this oh my god make it stop like we can't yeah, do he knows exactly this how is not this is a- kill me when she <laughs> like this up. is not my beautiful pearl this is not my yeah be- <laughs> yeah yeah like, like he understands how terrible that in particular is and like yes. he appreciated how they how they portrayed that through it i think also they um, they implied at the beginning because Pearl is hanging out with Greg, that they have become much closer friends. And much I think better that, friends, yeah. And I think well, that I think they... it helps. Mm-hmm. I think that I think the, uh, the the other big musical one where he becomes a millionaire and they had that that brief moment. Oh of yeah, yeah. But that's it's that's where they realize they have an issue that they have to work through that doesn't necessarily yeah. heal it. Like I do well, think that this is like. But now yeah. I think they really are friends. Like yeah. I think they're very. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think they are, really and. Are friends. I felt like well, that I, was the beginning of that, though, because I feel like Greg the whole time was like, we are in a poly relationship. It does not feel like you are consensually here. I can't make you leave it, though. I'm not leaving. But we're in a poly relationship. And then Rose, like, leaves. And it's like, you're mad at me for your girlfriend being poly. And I just, I don't know what to do about that. I'm never going to know what to do about that. And then that show that episode in particular is like Steven I've been trying to convince her to stop being mad that Rose was Polly forever and then finally like Pearl is like oh 
she was Polly, wasn't she? And it's like, oh, great. Now we actually can, like, move forward. And this film felt like, okay, from there to here, we can move forward. Once they moved past that, I think, and they they hinted at this a little bit in the movie at the beginning of, like, she hangs out with her, like or Pearl hangs out with with Greg and that she likes music now and whatever, mm-hmm. that, like, Greg offers her a kind of freedom as a, as a friend and in his personality mm-hmm. and the things that he likes that Rose could never offer her. And I, I think when we were talking about platonic relationships, mm-hmm. I feel like that is one of the most beautiful things of how, like, yeah. she really thought everything she needed was being her devotion to Rose and in, like, yeah. having platonic friendships with normal-ass people like Greg, where Greg's like, you know, we'll play music, and where he's really accepting, he's like, ah, she says the word wrong, it doesn't matter, and how, like, she revels in that, and he, all the things about that make Greg Greg are things that... Um, affirm Pearl's new personality and that's kind of I think that's I kind of think that's what that relationship is hinting towards and I love it very ridiculous how many codependent people like Pink Diamond attracts she she attracted all she she attracted all of them that was that's kind of of what people like that are like yeah like what's pretty codependent for some of that relationship and so I'm just like, why do you attract so many codependent? And then get so upset, <laughs> like when they become it's, too it's codependent. Yeah, it's such. It is a definitely a feature of her personality. Yeah, I want to get to one listener question, and I think we should probably wrap. But um, okay. Oh wow! So a listener a question. Uh, she doesn't get a lot to do in the movie, but shows up in the big finale number. Do you think the creative team has more to say with Connie? More to say with Connie or not? So he was wondering what we thought about the future for Connie, how important or what we think the team might be thinking about using with Connie in the future. Sometimes I feel like they don't actually know. Sometimes I feel like they don't actually know what to do with Connie. Like, I feel like sometimes they know what to do with Connie when Savani is going to show up. But often I feel like they don't actually know what to do with Connie. (laughs) And so while I want her to show up more because she's one of my favorite characters, it's hard for me to, like, know if that's going to happen. Um, well, and that, that's been kind of the weird tone shift also because sometimes they really gear them towards being close platonic friends and then sometimes mm-hmm. they really gear them towards, oh, they're going to get together. Romantic interest. And they vacillate wildly between the two with, of them. It's also still not knowing what to do with Connie, though. Like, that's yeah. still, like, Connie in relationship yeah, but, to yeah, Steven. Yeah, I... But I think that's the part of it of, like, they don't even know what her relationship to Steven to is. Steven is, that's fair. I felt like the most effective mm-hmm. Connie episodes was when um, Connie was was learning how to use the sword because yeah, she had, like, yeah. real anxiety about her planet being invaded. And, and where we Steven. see her relationship with Pearl. Like, I think the best way they could yeah. flesh her out is her relationships with other characters other, other than, than Steven. Steven would be great. Because she, I think, yeah. I think she has the moment with Garnet also the the song, yeah. right? Oh, and yeah, then she and, starts to have anxiety about like um flashing out and um what is it like what with the the meditation episode, which was yeah. really gorgeous. Well, because she gets her vision back when she doesn't know how to deal yes. with that with her parents and all that kind of stuff. And yes. I feel like those were the best Connie episodes, and those were the times where you saw her personality really come out. Mm-hmm. Like I want to see her. I want to see her interact with Amethyst. I want to see her interact with yeah. 
with lapis. Like, but I, I want to like, see... in the city, like, I know Connie's not actually from the city, but I would like to see her interact with the mayor and, like, um, with the people who own the pizza shop and yeah. with Keep It Weird Dude. Like, I was just, like, <laughs> to see Connie do more. Over this. So I guess my, my last question for folks would just sort of be, like, I mean, especially from, I mean, like, to you, Ari, from, like, the standpoint of, like, a musical theater person, like, do you feel like this was a well-constructed... Uh, musical theater m- movie oh this is really complicated actually that's a hard um, question that is a, it's a really hard question I will say that um, okay so th- here's the thing I can hear that there are multiple composers on it which is yeah. not it which I'm going to call the Spongebob effect and that's not necessarily <laughs> <laughs> that's not necessarily bad but it 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 does the score is less cohesive than it would be if you didn't have twelve people writing the score. So Which I that think they did on purpose. I feel like they did it on purpose. They, they wanted I different think, styles. I think the benefit of it not being a stage musical or even like a movie musical that's just supposed to be a music movie musical and it being an extended television special musical is that you don't want a cohesive score you want to show off as many sounds as possible which is why i said the question is complicated because it's not trying to be a broadway musical or even like a west side story musical or like anything like that it's trying to be a tv special musical and in that thing yes it's a very good tv Mm. special musical and i think it's really wonderful if i was holding it up to the standards of other musicals i would say that sometimes the lyrical dexterity is not the best like independent together it's an amazing rap song it's not a good musical theater song it changes its mind about what it is too many times to like pass that test um but it's an amazing rap song and if it was an amazing rap song it wouldn't work for that moment so like that's that's a tricky thing about that question i loved almost all i don't think i disliked any of the songs i played many of them over and over because it's on spotify um and like spinel's spinel's villain song is just a good musical song period like and even drift away is a really good um, musical song but like the diamond song it's a great um like filler song but i don't think it's actually a really good musical song but i don't think the show would work without that song especially the way it comes back in at the end so yeah in that way it's like it's complicated. I don't think they were trying to be a stage musical, though. I don't, I, like, people are like, oh, I think Steven Universe would be great on stage, and I'm like, no. No. The kind of motion. Yeah. Well, it's saying, I thought Sailor Moon wouldn't be good on stage, and then they had video of them doing it on stage, and it's quite good. So, like, I'm just like, I, someone proved me wrong. <laughs> someone please prove but me wrong. But we forget that Sailor Moon was good. originally in print. Sailor Moon was originally a comic. I don't actually and think that helps. I think most novels that are adopted adapted for musical theater, it's it's much harder to adapt a novel for musical theater, in my opinion, than it is to adapt like a movie. I don't because you have to make it visual and and dialogable yeah. and like it's well, it's very difficult. The the, so thing, I don't the know. thing for me about because ha, I'm a connoisseur of Sailor Moon is like the yes. difference with Steven Universe is that a lot of the the feeling and a lot of the aesthetic is uh-huh. a part of the way that the show has really mastered animation as yeah. a medium. Absolutely. And so when you take it out of that, 
Would you take it would be out- different? And I don't know if it would be successfully different or unsuccessfully different, which is why I'm like, someone might be able to prove me wrong. I feel yeah. like it would be unsuccessfully different, but mm. you know, to someone me- might be able to make it successfully different. I don't know. But to that point, like, because like you said, it's so dependent on the animation the way that it works as a musical is just going to be different because so much of the emotion and like and storytelling isn't in the voice or the lyrics or the songs themselves even though it does some amazing storytelling through the songs themselves it's really through the animation like even um independent together the thing that tells the story is the fusions that seg happens and then opal happens and then that beautiful animation where we go through Pearl's story happens like independent together wouldn't work as a narrative device without that animation I'm just gonna I'm gonna put my plug in here I'm gonna be on my bullshit you gotta watch the Tangled series that's all I'm gonna say because the Tangled series Mm -hmm. is much like Steven Universe it it has a song in almost every episode probably more than Steven Universe it well it brings back all the original voice actors and it has new songs by Alan Menken some of which are better than in the movie. Um, I think the animation is also better than in the movie. It starts with a TV movie called Tangled Before Ever After. It's really good. Disney threw it under the bus. So the first season was called Tangled the Series, and then the second and the third are called Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure. It's very complicated because Disney... Oh, I don't like that. Why? Disney Disney threw this shit under the bus, and it is... It, much like Steven Universe, it has all these, like, fun lessons for kids, and then it gets dark as hell. Like, they get, um... (laughs) Like Very they, like there's like you know the the incantation that she sings in the movie. Yeah. they do a they do a a dark version in a minor key, and it's very very frightening. Um, hmm. and it's it's extremely extremely good. But it was, I think a part of it is they really take what is str- a strong part of animation, and they they play that up. Um, mm-hmm. but what it's like it what. It reminded me of in the Steven Universe movie is how they're they're using that format for television, and we're starting to see musicals in television as more of a thing, like really strong things like Crazy Ex Girlfriend and stuff like that. And so, yes. like, if you if you want to explore like this whole thing yeah, that we're talking that. about, yes, like this whole thing that we're talking about of like how musicals are different for television versus for a film or on yeah. stage, yeah. Um, I would recommend Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure because much like Steven Universe, they do things where they hash out like really complicated, emotional, complex things in songs and stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And it it has a very Steven Universe vibe, but there's probably people who worked on both shows (laughs) or or something like that. But anyways, but that was kind of the that was kind of the point I was thinking of when you were talking about like, what does it mean for it to be for television? Yeah, I mean, I think that thing, and I'm going to do that this very briefly because I know we have to wrap up, but I think, like, I'm, as someone who works across mediums, and I love musicals, and that's, like, definitely the big thing I'm doing right now, but I've always worked across mediums, is that I think every medium has its strong suit, and um, even when we're borrowing from each other, there's something about the medium, and I feel like animation is different from film, it's, like, different like there's yeah. going to be fundamental differences from live action versus like animation and Steven Universe has always really leaned into the strengths of animation and made it like a core part of the show which is why it works so well um, and, and like the thing I, to the 10 minute thing 
The thing I always say to people when I try to explain what it feels like to watch Steven Universe, and like, it's like, it's like almost, it's almost more like a video game than a cartoon. Yes. And it, it's like if you were watching all the cutscenes of a video game, and it <laughs> yeah. takes it takes like everything from every RPG down to the music, and mm-hmm. and the way that the like you know the characters almost scrolls like in in profile or at least Steven does and there's so much taken from video games mm-hmm. in, but also even, from like even more than animation that they put mm-hmm. in there that makes it work in a in a narrative way that a, not a lot of animation does absolutely um, but it see... also does film stuff and oh, then yeah. also in that random film stuff that makes you remember that it's also like that yeah. it's working within a filmic um, language, yeah. like it's communicating well, that's why that also way. the environment that I was talking about, like yes. the the not just the visual aesthetic, but the like the mu- the way the music interacts with the visual aesthetic, mm-hmm. or whatever. The way that they're so tightly interlocked reminded me so much of video games mm-hmm. in a way that is like it's that kind of like I don't know tight kind of storytelling that really only happens in video games because in video games yes. it's all about what experience are we giving the player. Right. Not as much of how are we telling the story. And right. Steven Universe does both at the same time. It's like 4D almost right. in the way. I, I don't know how else to explain it. <laughs> but anyway, this show is really good. <laughs> yes, it is. It's just Thank so... you both. Okay, yes. <laughs> I think we, we can definitely agree with that. But yeah, I'm glad to talk about the medium with people. I think it's really valuable. So folks, where can our listeners check out more of your work? Um, Claudia? Mm-hmm. Uh, more of my work. I am mostly on Twitter at K A L U D I A says. It's an old nickname. Or you could just look at me up with Claudia with a K, Amanabar. If you type in like Claudia with a K and then A, I will come up. Um, I write re- I write reviews sometimes. I do voice acting sometimes. I will. I'm in an upcoming project that. Uh, I can't talk that much about, but that I'm very excited about because uh, it's it's a very meta kind of thing. Um, that I do, so I do some voice acting. Um, but yeah, most of the time I just am on Twitter yelling about Tangled. So <laughs> Got it. it's a good show. Yeah. Everyone needs to watch it. <laughs> and Ari, where can our listeners check out more of your work? Um, I'm at Ardinox and everything. So A-R-I-D-Y-N-O-X on um, both Twitter and Instagram, which are where I mainly post. And then also the musical that um, I'm working on right now with my fellowship, Metropolis has an Instagram called The Fari Chronicles. So T-H-E-F-A-R-I Chronicles. Um, and it's, it's pretty sparse right now, but we're going to be posting updates and a lot of exciting things are coming up for that musical. And my life is going to be really tied to that. So it's just a good place to follow. I'm excited to follow them both. And as for me, I'm on Twitter as E-L-A-N-A underscore Brooklyn. That's Elana Brooklyn. Um, Graphic Policy, of course, we have got your comics news and reviews. We are on every platform as Graphic Policy. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, you name it. I was just at New York Comic Con where I was on two panels, one of which was actually recorded uh, for the Jack Kirby Museum's website. It's the uh, Women of Jack Kirby panel, and you can check that out on their YouTube channel. And um, that was a panel with myself as the moderator, 
Cecil Castellucci and Adriana Melo, who are the creative team on the recent Female Furies miniseries. Heidi McDonald, editor of Comics Beat. She actually had someone do a write-up for Comics Beat, so you can read all about the panel there. There also uh, joining me are Meg Downey, who's an awesome critic and a huge Kirby geek, and Jay Justice, who's a great cosplayer. So it's us talking about how we got into Jack Kirby's work, what about the female characters in his stories are so uh, just compelling after all of these years, what are the challenges we've had engaging with it over time and why we stuck through it because it's just so darn brilliant. Uh, and I am also interviewed along with actual comics legends like Mike Royer and Mark Evanier, Tom King, uh, in a two-part series for Sci-Fi Wire called Behind the Panels, Jack Kirby's Fourth World. Um, those are on Sci-Fi Wire's website and YouTube, etc. And you can hear me talking about Jack Kirby as part of the uh, New York History walking tour that the Jack Kirby Museum ran and here comics luminaries who actually worked with Jack weighing in on the significance of the Fourth World series. So check that out too. Bit as well. So thank you all for joining me again at Beach Thanks City. Thanks for inviting us. Thank you for having Thanks. us. And keep it geeky.